Well, we've heard a lot lately uh, about quid pro quo. Don't panic. I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, quid pro quo means something given or received in exchange for something else, where one transfer is dependent upon the other. And, and we love quid pro quo arrangements as human beings because they promise something if we do something, right? We can, in effect, to a certain degree, kind of control the promise. If someone says to me, I really need, uh, this is just hypothetical because I probably wouldn't be able to help them fix their car, but for some reason this is the example that occurred to me. If someone came to me and said, hey, you know, like I, I heard that, um, you know, you're looking, you're looking for a job. I really need my car fixed. Could you, if you help me fix my car this weekend, I'll put in a, a good word for you to my company, to my boss, because I know we're hiring. Like, you might feel pretty good about what's going to happen because you know that you'll be able to help fix the car. It's a quid pro quo arrangement. And we, and we apply that to faith if we're not careful. We do and we have. There was an incredibly popular book published in, in 2000 that sold millions of copies. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. And the book teaches that God wants to bless God's people with material prosperity. And those who are currently not experiencing that blessing, receiving blessings, either are not living right or have not learned to properly ask. So claims the book. As God's privileged children, all we need to do is name it and claim it. In other words, a relationship with God is viewed in a very transactional, quid pro quo manner where God exists to bless us. And it's promised if we do or we say certain things. As we continue in our New Year Same Promises sermon series, today we look, today we look at God's promise of blessing. We look at God's promise of blessing, but it's far from quid pro quo, far from name it and claim it prosperity. God's blessing is not transactional. It's not something that we can control. It's a promise based on, on who God is. And as Jesus teaches us, it's a promise that comes and will come in unlikely ways and places to unlikely people. And that is good news. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Um, our scripture passage this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. I invite you to listen for, for God's word. Um, it'll be up on the screen uh, as well. That's actually what I'm going to be reading today because it's um, this is NIV. I usually read from the common English, but uh, I prefer this translation for, for today. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children 
of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and utter and speak falsely and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Blessed, makarios in, in Greek. Blessed, favorable, happy. Just exactly who are the blessed? The truly favored, the ones with the most justifiable right to be happy, content, hopeful. What does it mean to be blessed or blessed, fortunate, happy, well off? Now for us, the term happy, happy, blessed has come to to mean like feeling good or or enjoying certain pleasures and prosperity or some kind of, of state that comes as circumstances change or fortune intervenes. For people in Jesus' day, happiness or blessedness was a possession of the soul, something that once that, that one obtained and then once obtained could not easily be removed, could not be easily taken away. Blessed. Now, if you or I or our culture were to draw up a list of blessedness, we would most likely put the rich, the healthy, the carefree at the top, and the poor, the afflicted, the mourning down at the bottom. You know, blessed are the rich in things and self-assurance because they will be successful. Blessed are those untouched by loss whose loved ones enjoy health because they won't be sad or worried. Blessed are the powerful for they will be in charge. Blessed are those who are realistic about righteousness, compromising at every turn because they'll never be uncomfortable. Blessed are those who demand an eye for an eye because they will get to be judge. Blessed are the crafty and opportunistic because they'll ascend the ladder. Blessed are, th- are those bold enough to make war because with the winners comes the spoils. Blessed are those who, uh, who doing good things receive many accolades because they'll feel so good. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus says, nor does it look like the kingdom that Jesus brings. The kingdom that touches our lives. Just last week, if you remember, we were in chapter 4, the chapter before this in Matthew. When Jesus calls Peter and Andrew and James and John and asks them to follow him, tells them he's going to show them how to fish for people. And, And Matthew tells us right after that, that Jesus went into the synagogues proclaiming his basic message. His basic message, the nearness of the kingdom of God. And then he demonstrated it, enacted it, by meeting the needs of the people around him. Healing the sick and the paralyzed, casting out demons, touching everyone with divine love. And those people, those people were blessed. They were blessed, just not in the eyes of the world. Large crowds followed him after this. And this is the context for the Beatitudes and the promise of blessing that Jesus makes. And so as Jesus teaches, I can only imagine, I can only imagine that some who had just experienced in a profound way the blessing of the kingdom of God 
are some of the same ones in the crowd who are now listening to Jesus. There on the hillside are, are some who, who were blind and now can see. Some who are paralyzed and now can walk. Some who are sick and now healed. Despairing ones, now, now hopeful because God is at last coming to set things right. And so as Jesus teaches, he could literally point out in the crowd those who were blessed. Because the future kingdom of God, where all things will be made new, had just burst into the present, into their lives, and touched them through Jesus' own hands, his heart, his words, his voice. They are blessed. Blessed even now in anticipation of a, of a future promise fulfilled. Standing all around Jesus, hanging on every single word that he says, are people with little to no outstanding qualities or qualifications. There is nothing about them to suggest God's movement in their lives. And yet God has moved and will move. In fact, their lives might suggest the, the opposite. And yet, blessed. Blessed. Because the kingdom of God is among them. Friends, and so it is with us. Blessed, not because we are in a deserving condition. Blessed, not because of prosperity, but because in spite of and in the midst of desperate or awful condition, the kingdom of God has moved upon us by the grace of Jesus. These promises are about what we cannot achieve, what we can only receive as a startling gift. Being blessed is not getting health, wealth, and warm, fuzzy feelings, but more like being swept up in God's kingdom movement in the world, being touched by Jesus' heart, hands, and voice, and trusting that something good will emerge from the dust of something not good. Blessed are those who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven will be theirs. Have you or will you ever be hopeless? Do you know someone? Blessed are people who mourn, for they will be made glad. Have you ever or will you ever grieve? Do you know someone? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Have you ever tried to be a peacemaker and ended up being wounded by both sides? Do you know someone? Blessed are the meek. Have you ever cared more about being loving than about being right or winning and got trampled on as a result? Do you know someone? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Have you ever had an ache in your bones, a pain in your heart for something that was just plain not right? Do you know someone? Blessed are the merciful. Have you ever shown mercy? Even when everything in your being wanted revenge or for the other person to get what they deserve? Do you know someone? In other words, no human condition excludes blessedness. No human condition excludes blessedness. The promises and the Beatitudes means that God may come near to any person with God's care and deliverance. 
I recently went to the theater to see the film Just Mercy. The film was a heart-wrenching, heartwarming gut punch for me. If you haven't seen that film, you need to see it yesterday. Um, it tells the story of Brian Stevenson, a black lawyer who moves to Alabama after graduating from Harvard Law School. To defend, he goes there to defend those wrongly condemned or those afford not afforded uh, adequate or proper representation on death row. And one of his first cases was that of a man named Walter McMillan. And I won't give you away the movie or spoil it for you. That's the main, that's the main plot. Needless to say, the movie um, exposes the underbelly of racism in the justice system, in the prison system. But it also exposes the heart of people who truly are fearlessly moved with compassion and justice for those whom the world would just as soon send to the electric chair. And it has haunted me ever since I saw it. And it came to me this week, came to the forefront of my mind this week with this scripture passage. Because I could not get out of my mind the image of Jesus there in that prison teaching and preaching. And in my mind's eye, I, I could picture Jesus standing in the hallway of the death row inmates teaching. Cells and walls and iron bars instead of a grassy hillside. But the same message, the same promise, Walter McMillan there, other inmates, attorney Brian Stevenson there, even the guards too, all listening, all hanging on every word that Jesus says, as he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people persecute you. And revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. No human condition excludes blessedness. The promise and the Beatitudes being God may come to any person with God's care and deliverance. From Walter on death row to, to Brian defending him. Would the world consider them blessed? Jesus offers to all such people the blessedness of the kingdom regardless of circumstance. And this promise, this promise of blessing is not a quid pro quo arrangement with God for favors and blessing. We don't control the promise. The Beatitudes are not prescriptions, they're descriptions. Not prescriptions, descriptions. I confess I've fallen into that trap many times. Maybe you have too. The trap is simple, believing that Jesus is setting up the condition for blessing rather than actually blessing. That Jesus is setting up the condition for blessing rather than just actually blessing. For instance, when I hear blessed are the pure in heart, I think, am I pure enough? It's not if you become poor in spirit, then you are blessed because the kingdom will belong to you. It's blessed are are the poor in spirit because the kingdom will be theirs. In other words, the promises are neither the reward nor the result. 
of a present condition. Jesus is not going around simply giving his commands for how to live better. The blessings that he's announcing are not saying, try really hard to live like this and then God will bless you. They're, not saying, they're, they're saying that people who already are like that or find themselves in these kinds of conditions or situations are okay and they're going to be okay. They're all right. And they should be happy and celebrate because Jesus is saying that his work, his kingdom is starting and will make the sad things come untrue. And these promises are a gift from God in spite of and in the midst of present conditions sometimes realized now but ultimately and finally realized one day, one day in the future. Because yes, mourners often go uncomforted. The meek aren't inheriting the earth. Those who long for, for justice and righteousness often take that hunger right to the grave. And yet... And yet, we trust that the promises of blessing declared by Jesus are indeed about something that is starting to happen now and will, future tense, fully happen one day. Because something subversive is on the loose. Jesus is talking about turning the world upside down and its values, upside down with these promises. And we're blessed simply by being near, blessed simply by being near to Jesus and in sync with his intent, despite how upside down it might seem. Now here's the thing, having said all of that, having said all of that, those who hear themselves blessed, blessed, don't remain passive. Don't remain passive, but act in accordance with the coming promise. These promises lead to action. They call us to action, not to get blessing, but because we've received blessing. Certainly, Jesus wants us to be pure in heart. Certainly, Jesus wants us to be peacemakers, wants us to be merciful, but not by gritting our teeth, by the work of this Holy Spirit within us. So that in the same way we're surprised by God's blessing in difficult times, we're equally surprised when we're all of a sudden a peacemaker and we didn't think we could be. But there in that situation, we become one somehow. Almost like a surprise reflex. Promises lead to action. It's joining in Jesus' beatitude, kingdom, and message. Blessed Makarios. Lucky, happy, favored, all right, blessed, no matter how you say it, no matter how you say it, Jesus makes a wonderful, subversive promise in the Beatitudes. Not quid pro quo, not transactional, a promise of blessing that excludes no human condition, that comes in unlikely places to undeserving unlikely people in all kinds of circumstances. That comes as gift. That comes in part and one day will come in full. Blessed, blessed, touched by the kingdom. Touched by Jesus' heart, hands, and voice.
What a blessing indeed. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.